Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, take a second for everyone to get settled. And uh, in rapt anticipation for the next part of this wonderful seminar, part two, which is actually kind of short. It's only from three to four. But we know that within that short time span, that uh, lots of nuggets of uh, prashadam jewels <laughs> can be uh, distributed. And so that is what Maharaj will be doing. Hare Krishna. His Holiness Bhakti Chiru Maharaj Ki. Sri Prabhupada Ki. Jai. So this is going to be an interactive portion. Um, and I believe also there will be an opportunity for questions and answers. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Yeah, so who is going to cast the first question? Okay, I have a question then. Are you all happy to be here? Okay, what makes you so happy about? <laughs> so, yes, wonderful. Like, <clears throat> what is the most spiritually enlivening factor is association of devotees. When the devotees get together, satang prasangan mamobirja sambido. Satang prasangan. When the devotees get together, then automatically there happens a very powerful discussion about Krishna's teachings, Krishna's qualities, and Krishna consciousness. And this mood of Krishna consciousness, that is the atmosphere where Krishna becomes the center, takes us out of this material nature and places us in the spiritual reality. Actually, it is a matter of consciousness. That's why Prabhupada coined that expression, Krishna consciousness. It's a transportation of consciousness. The body may be here, but the consciousness becomes elevated to that reality. And when our consciousness is shifted to that reality, then we are there. So that's how easy it has become to be transported to the spiritual world. General understanding is that to achieve that spiritual situation is very, very difficult because it involves a lot of austerities, a lot of penance, withdrawing oneself from material nature. Mm. Yes, that process is very difficult. Mm. The ascending process, when you're rising, that process is very difficult. But the descending process is very easy. Mm. To achieve that by oneself is very difficult. 
But when that mercy comes down from there, then it becomes very easy. All we have to do is just receive it and accept it. And that is what happens in the association of devotees. It comes down by the mercy of the devotees. That mercy brings that spiritual reality down here. The example can simply be given. One very simple and appropriate example will be if one wants to become billionaire, it's very difficult. Uh, to make billion dollars, it's very difficult. But if a billionaire gives it to you, <laughs> then it is very, very easy. So our process is like that. Like, yes, to become a billionaire is very difficult. But when you become the children of what to speak of a billionaire, a trillionaire, zillionaire, whatever, <laughs> then you automatically inherit it. One may say, well, we didn't get it. It's something like a billionaire doesn't give his inheritance to his son immediately. He expects his son, he allows his son's to, son to grow up. And when he grows up, then automatically he inherits his father's assets. So that is what Krishna consciousness is giving us. We are becoming connected to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and that connection is like becoming his children, and we all are his children. So just as the children have natural claim and right over his father's property, we also have the natural right, and it's only a matter of time when he will give it to us. So, we all are very happy, so let's rejoice. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Any question? Yet yeah, seems that they have some questions. <laughs> yes. Take the mic. Uh, during the first part of the seminar, you talked about how difficult it is uh, when losing the spiritual master. And uh, as, as a disciple, it is important to see your guru listen to his lectures. But here is the case, it's so difficult to do those because every time you see him, you hear him speak, you are full of sadness crying. But it's also important to listen to him. And so what what do you do in such a situation? Mm. Yeah, very nice question. Thank you. Yeah, it's natural. You see, we have, you know, our emotions, feelings, and, you know, it's natural that, we you know, we feel his absence. But at the same time, we have to become situated in knowledge. Mm. And that is the way we overcome. Mm. 
that you know feeling of sadness the feeling of pain in that respect i'll give you two examples shila prabhupad we were with shila prabhupad in rishikesh and one night shila prabhupad called us and told that he was going to leave his body the time has come for him to leave his body and he wanted to leave his body in vrindavan and we should immediately take him to vrindavan so prabhupada actually told me i was attending him at about 1 o'clock at night and so i went down and told tamar krishna maharaj okima and he also he ran upstairs and prabhupada told him the same thing and that night only made that arrangements and we left stopped in delhi for the night next morning we went to rish vrindavan and devotees were ecstatic all of a sudden prabhupada just decided to come to vrindavan you know and there must have been about 200 250 devotees there you know so and you know like then after the darshan prabhupada came to his quarters and there he broke the news why he came to vrindavan and you could you know literally see how ecstasy turns into agony in a flash of a moment you know like just you know that ecstasy you know devotees were completely devastated to hear the news that prabhupad came to vrindavan to leave his body and prabhupad understanding that situation the mood of the devout feeling of the devotees prabhupad started to explain quoting that verse dehi nashmin jatha dehi just as the body transforms from childhood to youth to old age but the owner of the body remains unchanged and that owner of the body the soul leaves the body to take up another body so prabhupad pointed out that this changing of body is continuously going on and eventually we have to like change from one body to another so dhirastatranamuyati the last line of the verse is though those who are situated in knowledge they don't get bewildered they don't become bewildered so so this is the reality that we have to breast like we have to become situated in knowledge and realize that the spiritual master was physically present for some time to attract us towards him through him to attract us towards krishna but the at some point he is going to leave but that aspect of the spiritual master the bopu aspect the physical part of the spiritual master although temporary but the instruction part the teaching education vani he is eternally present there so we have to develop that relationship through with the spiritual master through his instructions and in one of his bengali poems shri prabhupad did mention when he was glorifying shri bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur after his disappearance he actually mentioned that those who are the servants those who serve the vopu they are not the real servants those who serve the vani they are the real servants of the spiritual master so uh, 
This is how we have to become situated in knowledge. This is how we have to grow up. And, you know, take advantage of the spiritual master's mercy to develop spiritually. So this is one example. Another example is very personal. You see, I used to cook for Srila Prabhupada. And one day, and Srila Prabhupada used to come, and, but he couldn't eat. So he didn't have any appetite. So one day he told me that you have so much to do. Why are you wasting your time cooking for me? You can see that I can't eat. So then I said, Prabhupada, I eat hoping that someday you'll have your appetite and you would like to eat. And Prabhupada said, I won't have any appetite until I die. And when he said that, you know, it just came in such a heavy way, I broke down. And Prabhupada said, is this what you learned from me? Didn't you learn that we all are eternal? And, and so this is the thing, like Prabhupada just pointed out, is this what you learned from me? Uh, becoming attached to the temporary aspect, forgetting this permanent aspect of it. Thank you so much, Hare Krishna. Any other question? Yes? Serving through Bani? Bani. Okay. Yeah, the instructions. Uh, the instructions of the spiritual master is always there. What are the instructions? Chant 16 rounds. Let's consider that. Am I chanting 16 rounds nicely? Follow the four regulative principles. Render service to Krishna. Remain in the association of devotee. And then what to speak of all the instructions that is there in the books. All the instructions that's there in the in the recordings and the videos in in tapes and so you know like and that is how you actually feel the presence of the spiritual master like I make it a point <clears throat> to listen to Prabhupada's tapes and I tell you when I'm listening to Prabhupada and I listen to Prabhupada's tapes you know I feel Prabhupada is there Prabhupada is there mm. so that's why at least we have such wonderful facilities nowadays you know that people didn't have in the past. They didn't have tape recorders. Uh, they didn't have videos. Now we can see, can you imagine if, you know, we had the recordings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's words. <laughs> if we had a video of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> but today's world is actually facilitating us in such a wonderful way, you know. And we have to take advantage of those facilities, you know to apply them in our spiritual pursuits. In the morning uh, class you said that uh, when Prabhupada set up the uh, GBC, he was one vote. Uh, I was wondering, you know, how was the interaction in that GBC when Prabhupada is there? How was the interaction in the GBC? Because Prabhupada was still there yeah. and then most of the time Prabhupada didn't sit in the GBC meetings. But after the GBC meeting, the GBCs used to come and tell Prabhupada the resolutions that they passed. And Prabhupada sometimes would advise, sometimes would correct. But generally Prabhupada honored their decisions. And But one thing Prabhupada did, 
like after the GBC meeting, the GBC resolutions had to be ratified by the temple presidents. You know, like the temple presidents used to have also come to the Mayapur, come to Mayapur, and they used to have a meeting, and GBC resolutions used to go through them, go through the temple presidents' body. And nowadays, you know, like we don't have that kind of temple presidents' meeting anymore. But recently we have made one body called Sabha, right? Devotees from different areas of our movement, representing different areas of our movement, are consisting of this. And personally I feel that that's what's going to actually serve the purpose of, you know, the temple presidents' body. Like now we have more than 600 temples, you know, so you can't possibly have a temple presidents meeting. So, but the thing is that, yeah, Prabhupada actually, by doing that what Prabhupada was doing, Prabhupada was training the devotees to be, take the responsibility and guide the movement, the GPC body. And <clears throat> like giving, having Prabhupada having one vote, that's what Prabhupada himself said, I have only one vote. Right. And so Prabhupada, you know, like that's how he allowed the GBCs to take the responsibility to carry the movement forward and protecting the movement. Yes, Mother Brajalila. Um, Marge, this morning you spoke about so many important points for disciples. And I was reflecting on a few, which was your mood to, to keep everybody in the body of ISKCON. That was so prominent. And you also shared about the importance of the spiritual master in, in our lives. You shared so much, you glorified Bhaktivedanta so much, our spiritual master this morning. And another point that was important to me is the family of devotees staying together as a family. There's so much emphasis that you have on keeping a family. I was wondering, um, when Srila Prabhupada was leaving his body, there, there's so much emphasis now on shiksha for many of the disciples and especially with gurus leaving their bodies. So I was wondering, what, did Srila Prabhupada request his disciples to have shiksha? And if not, which I didn't think I ever heard that he did, then um, are the devotees internally nurtured by Srila Prabhupada? I was just a little curious about how you would um, help us all to understand that. Um, given that our own spiritual master requests that his disciples take shiksha. And so we know that's important. I'm not in any way minimizing that. I'm just trying to understand the depth of it. Mm -hmm. Well, Prabhupada may not have, you know, specifically used that expression about the importance of shiksha, but indirectly consider the statements like, my books are the basis what does it actually mean? Prabhupada's books that are containing his shiksha is the basis of our movement, our inst the foundation of our movement, foundation of ISKCON. Uh, 
and and the thing is you know Prabhupada was giving diksha but ultimately what was the important aspect was Prabhupada's shiksha like you know all that he said all that he instructed that actually a kind of you know constituted the spiritual activities of the devotees and iskon and yes yeah, so that way i would say like you know Prabhupada did not also you know give uh, so much uh, kind of didn't say so much about diksha also on the other hand Prabhupada did say that don't force the devotees to take initiation because if they come prematurely being forced to take initiation then they will go away and then Prabhupada said that let them come uh, begging for initiation then he said let them come crying for initiation you know so that is how one has to become eager for his spiritual life you know and and we have seen for various reasons you know like after Prabhupada left so many devotees actually left you know Prabhupada had about 10,000 followers how many of them are there in ISKCON today which of course they'll come many of them are coming back and many of, will, of them will come back I'm confident you know the render of the service that they rendered for Srila Prabhupada not going to go in vain they will get their spiritual benefit from that and and the other thing also we have to see like what you know we always will notice and have been noticing you see spiritual personalities like Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj they attract people with their spiritual potency they attract people you know they, they just don't come you know, like that, you know, like they, most of the time devotees come being attracted due to their spiritual, spiritual qualities and spiritual brilliance. It's like, you know, like a magnet, like, you know, they attract. And a crisis actually takes place when they live because, you know, that attractive aspect is not there. Therefore, they tend to go away. Many of them go away because of that, you know. And that is why it's the test. Let's see how much you love me. If you love me, then don't leave me. Even though physically I, I may not be present in front of you. And, you know, like to go back to the point, you know, Ultimately, the shiksha that is the important aspect, you know. I will say, why did Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj wrote all these books? Hmm. That's a shiksha. And he wanted, you know, to not only his disciples, others also become attracted to Krishna consciousness, you know, due to the shiksha. And this is the aspect that is actually descending through parampara the spiritual knowledge, spiritual wisdom. And that is the best, very essence of spiritual life, shiksha. Sometimes I give the example like 
diksha is like the admission to an university and shiksha is attending the classes <laughs> like if i get the admission in the university but don't attend the classes what's the use of that hmm. the purpose of actually admission is to get the education thank you the prajalila hari krishna yes hey krishna maraj um so in the same lines of um people leaving when they spiritual mass uh, leave the the this planet um what is our duty to those people are we just to let them go through what they're going through or are we to assist them to come back because yeah. a lot of times people leaving also hurt people that are still in the movement mm. good very good thank you a nice question yeah like our general mood should be why should they leave let's bring them back mm. i mean when you want to have the whole world come to us how can we afford to lose even a single one who came to us but what to say like proper himself said when an acharya leaves the planet there's bound to be crisis and you know though although at that time when i heard that you know proper himself saying i thought that well it may have happened in the past but it don't happen in iskon with us because our, our institution our movement was so strong everything was so wonderful so at that time you know like i mean i at least you know could not even imagine that the devotees so many devotees would leave but as then in course of time we saw what actually happens when an acharya leaves as i said the first consideration is like a magnet is pulling all the iron particles and when the magnet is gone then naturally now they have to stand there in that platform with their own own sincerity and commitment and loyalty right and but the tendency is there that you know since that attraction is missing they may not remain that's one thing and in the practical way i you know i'll honestly admit that the way many devotees have been treated after proper left they are heartbroken you know like many of them are heartbroken and they left and and that actually developed into all kinds of unfortunate you know developments you know like because what happens when you get hurt the tendency is to you know strike back and as a result of that you know conflict developed so many you know uh, undesirable things have happened and like dev- our own devotees became inimical to our movement you know so what to do we have to deal with all those but you know like at least let us maintain a genuine concern for the living entities even though they hurt us you know our our attitude should be please come back 
please come back yes we hurt you but at the same time give us let's give let, give us a chance to heal that pain of yours and with that mood actually we have to try to bring everyone back and ultimately we have to create that environment you know otherwise why people will come to us if we just become concerned about our own selfish agenda then how can we afford to bring people to come because the people will come only when they'll see that what they're hankering for they're going to get here and ultimately what does everybody want you know everybody wants love and this movement is actually meant to give that love to everybody love of krishna you know like and that is the movement stands for and let's as representative of this movement let's radiate that love to everyone and then only people will come to us thank you hari krishna yes that's really nice i just had a quick follow up sometimes it's easier to love krishna than to love the devotees they love but about that yeah good <laughs> nice question <laughs> easier to love krishna yeah no the thing good point yeah very good point actually is uh it's easier to love krishna uh than love his devotees but then the question that immediately comes how do you display your love to krishna is it just a lip service or it's a genuine like you know it can i mean it, it can be genuine just like a child's love for the father or mother he loves but you know there he doesn't know why but as it grows up then you know that love becomes more and more mature and then it takes the shape of doing things for the father and mother then taking service from them hmm. so as we mature in our krishna consciousness then you know that attitude will develop instead of being served by krishna let me serve krishna and then automatically you know the tendency develops you know like what does krishna want and ultimately come to think of it you know what krishna really wants krishna wants all the living entities who left him come back to him so then you go out you know to get those devotees get those individuals and bring them back to krishna so and then and that will be the proper display of your love for krishna proper used to use the expression you love me you love my dog <laughs> so you love me you love whom i love you can't say i love you but i hate that <laughs> that you love no that won't work huh? hari krishna <laughs> Yes. Where are you mentioning your book also and you mentioned it too that I left the body you were very uh, heavy hurt and then left for Mayapur and then so apart from your uh, sastric knowledge how to overcome that situation do you want to mention anybody else around who uh, helped you to overcome that situation Well uh Well for that matter I'll say I got a lot of love from my senior god brothers you know they had been very very kind to me and also I received a lot of you know affection and love from one of 
Prabhupada's god brothers, Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And I became, I mean, in a way I found Srila Prabhupada in him. You know, like, I mean, he kind of compensated that loss to a great extent. So that is how, you know, like, you, I mean, at least I had been able to deal with that situation. And, and then, of course, then comes the service, preaching. As a sannyasi, I started to travel. And <laughs> well, any other question? <laughs> Maharaj, as we are talking about, you know, when Acharya uh, departs, then there is always a vacuum. Maharaj, in, in our uh, present ISKCON, we feel that, okay, so now we have a generation of Shla Prabhupada's disciples, all the Vartaman Acharyas, and then, um, you know, on practical basis, we see that, okay, now they are also coming closer to end their pastimes here, and then there will be a time when there won't be any of Srila Prabhupada's disciples here and then there'll be next generation. So sometimes it gives a feeling of um, fear or little confusion that how we're going to be in you know, that, that situation and how we're going to deal with it and how should we prepare ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, very, very pertinent point. Like, Prabhupada's disciples do have a responsibility to secure the movement because they know better than other, many others, better than others, what Prabhupada wanted, how Prabhupada wanted. And, and so these are the two very important factors. What Srila Prabhupada want and how Srila Prabhupada wanted them. And, and this is how you know, the information, the knowledge is passed down. So that is one aspect, you know, like uh, in a way we are seeing the next generation devotees are, many of them are very, very competent, very competent. Like we are seeing in the GBC body, now we have some second generation, you know, uh, devotees becoming GBC members. And I mean, some of them are very, very competent. We feel that they're more competent than us. <laughs> That's one thing. Another thing is, you know, with the passing of time, I mean, the purity will develop, you know, become, you know, greater and greater. Like, I mean, just recently I had an experience. One eight-year-old boy, from Bombay, you know, wrote a book on Govardhan. And I tell you, I mean, I mean, if I can use the expression, it blew my mind. <laughs> and just an eight-year-old boy. And so they asked me to write a message on that. His, his grandfather, you know, like, he's a devotee of Radhat Maharaj, well, you know, Radha Krishna Prabhu. And he is the uh, son of uh, Madhuri Lila and 
her, her, her husband Radha. Anyway, and like you know, I was just. I'm, what does it indicate? Like, how can a six, seven, eight-year-old boy write a book? On and you know, it's such amazing descriptions he's giving. You know, <laughs> about Govardhan and. And then I just mentioned, like, you know, at the same time it occurred to me, Shankaracharya at the age of eight took sannas. Jamunacharya at a tender age defeated the greatest scholar of that area at that time, Kolahal. You know, he was even six years old, I think, at that time. Now, what does it indicate, you know, like, these are the individuals, those who are carrying their Krishna consciousness from their previous life. And I tell you, you know, like, I mean, in our society we'll see individuals like that, the children, with brilliant memory, brilliant, you know, Krishna consciousness, you know, carrying from the previous lives. And, and when they grace this society, you know, like, I mean, we can't imagine what will happen. <laughs> And it's, I mean, this movement is actually dis- destined for a brilliant future. Mahaprabhu said, every town and village, and it will ri- literally be every town and village. In a way, I'm, I mean, even when I see the next generation, you know, I'll honestly admit that I feel that if they came, you know, <laughs> Earlier, when Prabhupada was here, <laughs> I mean, Prabhupada, you know, like, I received so much mercy from Srila Prabhupada for whatever I am. And when I see that they are so much more capable, they are so much more brilliant, you know, like, I feel that, you know, probably I won't be completely lost, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so this is how this movement is going to grow. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Mike. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much for uh, being here. I come from a Christian background. And um, one of the things that never sat well with me, particularly this particular um, segment, is that they would always say, we are the only way. And we say, every town and village, um, Muslims have something that they say, other religions, Jehovah Witness, Seventh-day Adventist. So when we say every town and village, does it mean every town and village in coexistence with other paths? Or is that exclusive of other paths. Mm, good, good point. Since you are sitting there, I have to face you. <laughs> you know, ultimately, there's only one religion. And today, the different denomination, denominations that we have is simply uh, Thus, different levels or different aspects of the same religion. Mm. 
and it is a matter of you know understanding like you know at one point Prabhupada did mention to when some some Catholic priests actually challenged Srila Prabhupada that why are you turning, why are you converting these Christian boys and girls into Hindus? Prabhupada's response was, no, I'm not converting them into Hindus. Or I'm not I am simply making better Christians out of the Christians. The, you know, rather we say real Christians out of the Christians, real Jews out of the Jews, real Muslims out of the Muslims. Because, you see, Ultimately, you know, they all were worship. They all are speaking about the same personality. Hmm. Like, let's consider, you know, like the Muslims are calling Allah the greatest. Who is the greatest? So ultimately, we go to that one person, you know. So it's only a matter of understanding that we all are irrespective of our so-called religious, you know, faith, we all are actually approaching the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's only a matter of, you know, different levels. Like, let's go back to the thing, like Islam developed in the desert, Islamism. Christianity, Jesus came and spoke to the fishermen, of that area. Jesus himself said that I have much more to say, but you all are not ready. Right? So, this way, you know, like we can see that the, another consideration, you see, you know, I mean, of course, this is my, you can say this is my concoction, mental concoction. Jesus, Moses received the message in the burning bush. I mean, what is burning bush? Doesn't it rather indicate the effulgent personality? His brilliance was so overwhelming that he couldn't see the personality. Hmm. So, you know, like, as Krishna consciousness spreads, more and more people from different, uh, say, different sections, different religious groups, will recognize that we all are worshipping the same personality. In our area, the informations are not that advanced, but here is the ultimate understanding of that personality. Another consideration, <clears throat> when you are in a lower class, of when lower grade of school, you have only one or two books, right? Then you grow, you know, as you grow, like the number of books increases. Then when you come to the PhD, then you have a whole library of books to refer to, right? Now if you look at it from that context, Islam has only one book, Quran. Christianity has one book, Bible. Jesus, Jews have only one book, Torah. Whereas the Vedas have whole, you know, you know, library of books, and you know, so th that actually shows the availability of the information.
But one problem with when you have a library of books, if you are a child, you'll get confused. Therefore, you need a teacher to tell you from from the library which book to pick up, and that is the problem with today's Hinduism. You know, they have a whole library of informations, but they don't have a teacher, and they're completely confused. Now, Shri Prabhupada came and gave the right understanding, and from that, you know, like. You know, I mean, it will be wonderful actually if we can sit together. You know, I stopped going to this this interfaith, yeah, because you know they don't, you know, they don't really discuss. They simply, try, in one hand, they try to just promote their own thing, or they blast all other groups. Uh, so there is no. I mean, what's the point in going there? Like, if you can't really discuss in a positive way, an effective way, it's a waste of time. Otherwise, and but I mean, I was just telling when he was taking prasad with Madhavacharya Prabhu and Ekavira Prabhu and Henry that recently I was in the Vatican, and the representative, you know, who. Was you know he made me he gave me one very important information. He said that the the present Pope wants to build bridges between different religions, whereas <clears throat> the relig- different religions are simply building walls. And I thought it was a very very generous gesture. So if we all can get together building bridges. If you can sit together and discuss, like, look, we are worshiping the same God. Now, let us get as much information as possible. If you have offered something to offer, let me take it. And if I have something to offer, you also be open to take it. And that is how you know the proper dialogue will develop. And and the thing is, another consideration is, you know, like in in today. Um, I was again. This is the thing that I've been informed recently, that in UK, 65% people say that they don't have any religion. You know, 65% people don't have any religion. Why? Because what is going on in the name of religion? You know, intelligent class of people cannot really accept that. You know, when all this violence and terrorism <clears throat> goes on in the name of religion, but the good thing is they don't accept a re- they don't have a religion, but they believe in spirituality. So that means they're open to have the right information. And again, you know, like uh, in in one uh, program in London uh, this topic actually came up over there that you know religion in relation to or spirituality in relation to religion the question came up you know what is the difference between religion and spirituality my answer to that was religion is the means to understand the spiritual reality there is another reality beyond this perceivable material nature the spiritual reality 
religion is the means by through which through which we can actually understand that spiritual reality and then he pointed out that just as physics is the means to understand energy chemistry is the means to understand elements mathematics is the means to understand numbers religion is the means to understand spiritual reality now since physics uh, since physics is science chemistry is science mathematics is science religion is science and that is the thing that propert had been always you know emphasizing religion is not faith it's a science and we have to present it in a scientific way so that scientific way means you know in a tangible experimentally verified way so that intelligent class of people can accept it and that is the responsibility that we have you know like i mean i don't think that we have to present religions through modern science or what goes on in the name of science but it should be treated as a science and then only the intelligent class of people will respond to it favorably and and we have all the elements all the informations you know let's see what mahaprabhu did he defeated everyone who had any kind of you know concept other than pure krishna consciousness like sarvam bhattacharya prakashananda saraswati keshav bharati like you know he gave them the pure understanding of krishna consciousness and although they were mayavadis they have been converted into or not converted out to the accepted krishna consciousness so that is the responsibility that we have in presenting so the bottom line to your question uh, to a question is yes there'll be all different religions will come under the umbrella of krishna consciousness <laughs> One of Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj's legacies, of course, was his bridge preaching. The question is about, uh, we have Satya Yoga, Dwapara Yoga, Treta Yoga. In these three yogas, I didn't see there are religions. Only thing is humans and evil and heavens. And humans are directly connected to heaven and evil try to... and basically you got the thing wrong it's yeah. not heaven that they're aspiring for it's a spiritual world heaven is a part of this material nature i i i, I try to tell you like uh, okay another thing is yeah, that yeah. what what is your understanding of religion can you define what is religion religion basically it's uh, the path to understand the spirituality you already answered that so no uh, no i i won't even go into that direction i'm simply asking you what's the definition of religion definition of religion i think um, okay so you don't know definition of religion is the law that has been given by the lord that is called religion okay. dharmam tu sakshat bhagavat pranitam mm-hmm. so why we do so we do, why then how can you say in satya yuga there was no religion and etc different religions i am saying like no it was the same be... religion the law that was given by the lord yeah. different ages have different religion different practice 
that is called yuga dharma so we still have christianity muslim hindu in satya those days there was no hindus muslim and so forth those days there was only one process yeah that's what i like to understand satya yuga was the meditation mm-hmm. dwapar yuga is treta yuga was sacrifice dwapar yuga was worshiping what is in kali yuga chanting the holy name of the lord but it's not it's not everybody not doing it but satya yuga dwapar yuga that is the misfortune that they are not doing it and that's why we are here our business is to make everybody chant the holy name because that is the yuga dharma yuga is completely different because we that may be your understanding any other question memories with uh, his holiness bhakti tirth maharaj uh, so if you can just recall and share a few very touching memories uh, with maharaj uh, okay. <laughs> you know he's uh, well i'll just go into some very personal aspect of it isi bhakti tirtha maharaj had a very dynamic and progressive way of you know presenting krishna consciousness because he was a visionary and the problem with the visionary is a visionary sees way beyond where others do not see that therefore they often are misunderstood and the way he he was he used to present krishna consciousness sometimes he was subjected to criticism and he used to confide in me that how it used to hurt him you know that and not in hurt him as such like he used to feel bad that you know they are not understanding and they are you know like not all some and he probably you know like sometimes he had been subjected to some very unpleasant criticism and things and and the thing is that you know his main concern was how to take this movement forward you know in order to take the movement forward you have to do things you know like you have to make you know arrangements very dynamic and they may appear to be revolutionary but they may be revolutionary but they are not contradictory you know it's moving in the same direction and and in one such occasion he was actually telling me that you know like his concern for the future of the movement the future and he was so concerned that you know like proper wanted this movement you know he brought it he did it spread it all over the world and now our responsibility is to make push it forward and so that is you know one thing that often you know sort of i recall about him and he and otherwise he was a, i mean generally he was a very soft hearted person very soft hearted person and but at the same time you know he could become like a lion 
you know, he was, I have seen him screaming and shouting in the GBC meeting. <laughs> in the GBC meeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> and my sweet memories are like, you know, he, I mean, I used to, as I was telling this morning, like he used to describe how he was preaching and the way Prabhupada used to. You know, and Prabhupada was very, very pleased with him and recognized his inner service, embraced him for that. And a little heavy with you. Please don't mind. Yeah. The thing is, you see. Who is not accepting one God? Don't say nobody. You know, don't make a statement like that. Yeah. Nobody. What does it mean, nobody? So who who is the God for the Christians? No. Uh, no. Anyway, so this is the problem. You see, uh, can I tell you something? Can you tell you something very earnestly? If you really want to learn, take a humble attitude. Unless you take a humble attitude, unless you think that you do not know, how can you learn? So come with a mood that I want to learn. And there is so much that you can learn here. You're coming here. I mean, this is the second time I'm meeting you. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, <laughs> okay. Yes? I'd like to say something. Um, we're running a bit behind. Uh, this next section was actually supposed to start at 4 o'clock. Maharaj uh, has been traveling, as you all know. Uh, he hasn't gotten very much rest, but he put that aside to come to accommodate us. And I think that we should respect that.